Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you, parents, teachers, clinicians, anybody who's joining me here today on this episode, Girls and ADHD. I know this is such an important topic because, and we're going to talk about this in the episode with Heather, there is a new I put that in air quotes because it it ain't new. It's just been reclassified, but there is a new ADHD signs and symptoms out there that are specific to girls. It's not new and we need to talk about it. And I will start the episode with Heather on a full admission that I missed this one in my own daughter. And knowing as much as I do, you know, the the shoemaker's children go barefoot. So we're going to talk about that. Heather, I met being a guest on her her podcast, Hot Mess Espresso. It's a fantastic show. You can find it on Spotify, anywhere you download your stuff. Make sure you follow up with Heather afterwards. And uh, just to let you know, before we get started, my new book has dropped. The Four Prime Archetypes, Why We Do What We Do. It is available on Amazon. That is my 25-year project. It is finally done. I am so happy with it. And it is out there. It is selling like hotcakes. So make sure you get your hands on the digital or the paperback copy. And if you just love as much as I do the sound of my voice, it will be coming out on audiobook, but uh, you got to hang out, uh, stand by for that one a little bit. Until then, let's get on the horn with Heather Harrington, who's going to talk to us about ADHD and girls. Heather, thank you so much for being on this show. I really dug being on yours and it was awesome. So thank you. Yeah, it was so much fun. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Let's just start right away. Why do we miss ADHD in girls? Why is this still, even in 2024, do we see this as the the boys thing? I think societally, women and girls have just learned or been taught subconsciously or consciously to mask anything that makes you out of the ordinary. You still have to push, you have to hustle, you have to, and especially like even while we're recognizing that ADHD in women does exist, we still have like that hustle culture. So these women that can like multitask, like absolutely crazy. It's like, yes, queen, this, that, and the other thing. Like you're a go-getter, you're this, that, and the other thing. No, you have raging ADHD. And the only way that you know how to like function is to be multitasking and, you know, doing all these grand things that nobody else would be able to do until you drop. It sounds like you're suggesting right out of the gate that what looks like to everybody else, that this girl is is that hustler, that go-getter, that uber successful can handle anything and everything, is just raging ADHD. How provocative of you. How does that play when that's how you're supposed to be? And and I mean, and I say supposed to obviously tongue in cheek, but how does that play? I mean, this is does this mean you're not supposed to be those things or what? How do we how do we navigate this? You know, I'm not sure if it's how we're supposed to be or how we're not supposed to be, but it's just kind of how it is. Like women have always societally handled eight trillion things at once and never necessarily batted a nine. That just kind of became the societal norm. And with that becoming the societal norm, women and girls that excel at that 
are swept under the rug. But then also you have the ADHD symptoms of switching careers, switching college aspirations, burning out in college, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Always having a new weird side project, always just doing all of the things that is, <laughs> I'm ADHDing hard right now because I can't remember the beginning of that sentence. We're taught to handle all of these things, so we fly under the radar. But then on the flip side, you know, we also seem very lazy, very unmotivated, very, you can't just decide, you can't just like, just pick something and stick with it. Like, I don't know why you have to change your major 800 times and this, that, and the other thing. That's literally like, you're all for us being go-getters until it doesn't fit the narrative. But I think because we've always had to juggle 800 things. I mean, 50 years ago, you were raising kids, keeping a house clean, putting your makeup on, making sure your hair was done, all of these things. All of a sudden, you know, that kind of slowly moved over the last like 50 or so years into kind of the hustle culture where, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're this, you're that, you're like, you're going, going, going. You've got like a bajillion things going on. You just slide into the radar. Women that have ADHD can handle that until we can't. There is an attachment of this quote, end quote, new ADHD and women to anxiety. Is that something that you experienced growing up? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As you think back, how far back can you go? Yeah, that was an ADHD moment. Like, how old? I mean, the fact that I've read the entire Harry Potter series in a week. I, could do, <laughs> I, I like nobody, no neurotypical can do that. You, you have to hyper focus. But that was like, that was a reread on top of it. I would say the amount of time I spent in books, I think part of it was an escape from the reality of the way I was growing up. But also I could stay up all night and read a book and did not did not bat an eye if I pulled an all-nighter reading a book. And I used to get in so much trouble for it because, you know, we better not see a light on. You better not see your flashlight. Like, this, that, you need to go to bed. And it's like, I can't put this book down. And it was just like a hyper-focus on top of the fact that in school, I didn't have to study and I would just take a test blind and straight A's. Like, like classes were not a problem for me at all. This goes against the generalized idea of ADHD, and a lot of people don't realize. You know, I I was not a, a non-studier. I was. I had to study. I got. I got not forced, but encouraged to sit and study and focus, which I never could. Fail the test anyway, despite a, a sincere effort of studying. But I could bury a book in an evening and. They, they people don't understand the hyper focus. So they're they're and now the way boys do the hyper focus is through the video game. Girls do too, but people don't know how well read or well versed in a particular hyper focus subject ADHD people can be. And like the, it's a deep dive. I remember latching on to the Tudor era. And I mean, it's still kind of a deep dive for me historically, but anything history-wise, there were certain periods of time that I, you know, would like nerd or geek out on, but it was probably just my like hyper-focus of the week. Or I couldn't read or couldn't do anything without music blaring in my ears. And my parents were always like, you're going to blow your hearing out, you're going to blow your hearing out. It just evened everything out for me. And I was fine. Now, now I now I wear earplugs at concerts because I'm 32, and you know I don't actually want to blow my hearing out. And I forgot I'm at the Fit for a King show last night. Oh my god, everything hurts. But 
It's amazing because I taught a class yesterday morning about putting together your own meditation background noise tape to handle the background noise that I, I mean, look, our brains are heavy metal flamenco dancing scream therapy 24 seven. And if you do not occupy that space with something, then your thoughts will occupy it. And so I occupy while I work heavy metal music and my own voice with mantras and affirmations and prayers all day long. And that way, when I lose focus on my task, I'm immediately pulled to my headphones which helps me refocus. And there is all the research that says if they listen to this song while they study and they listen to the same song while they take the test, they're going to do better on the test. You did well in school. You got into college. I I was the kid that was the first in my school district because I grew up in a small town. I was the first in my school district to take math classes a level ahead of the other kids kind of thing. And then I got into college and I basically scored math scores, like, cause it was a community college. So you had to kind of like figure out what your placement was. I scored literally like they had to force me to take one of the classes that I had already tested out of because it was a requirement for my degree. So I did really well, no problem getting into college whatsoever. And then it went to shit. <laughs> was it because you just finally burn out or like what happened? Why, why, why the, the freshman crispy experience? I don't know, but like my first semester was okay. And then my third semester in college and the semester before I had done a 3.75 GPA. I was working full time, taking 18 credit hours, thriving. The semester after that, I had a 0.8 GPA. I'm surprised it didn't just straight kick me out of school. Did you, were, were you not going to class or were you just failing? I wasn't going to class. I wasn't doing the home. I just completely, I still, I still to this day have nightmares about trying to make up all of my schoolwork with two weeks left of the semester. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't motivated to go. I've never been a morning person. And for some reason I had planned all 8 a.m. classes. So I just never went to those. I just, I struggled. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know, I, I, when I tell you I changed my major eight times, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure my parents were ready to like, just sacrifice me to something just so I would make a decision. It was pretty bad. And then, um, my back went to shit. So like that went to the wayside, but I just burn out. I don't even know if it was burnout, but I just, I lost focus. I just, and it's very, it's very typical that everybody's like, oh, they're so gifted. They're this, that, and the other thing. And then they got to college and they're just like, what are professors, people, parents, professionals missing when this is happening? What's 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 the intervention when you know parents are watching their their girls burn out? You know they they've they've been straight A's, handled everything, and all of a sudden, not going to class, totally burn out. What's the intervention? Take them for an evaluation. You can't blame them. You can't say that they're lazy, that they're losing motivation. They're this, that, and the other thing. Because like one, we're already telling that to ourselves. We're already sitting there going, you know, you can do this. Why can't you just like get the homework done? Why can't you just do this? Why like you're lazy, you're a piece of shit. We're already telling ourselves that. So you don't need to add to it. I promise you. Talk to them about getting evaluated because maybe it's not necessarily medication. Maybe it's supplements. Maybe it's, you know, finding a therapist that specializes in, neurodivergency or, you know, ADHD or something like that. Like, and there's even a possibility that they could be on the spectrum and you didn't notice because, you know, that line between ADHD and being on the, on the spectrum is like 
razor thin. <laughs> it is. And the spectrum is wide. It's very wide. Gifted in high school and kind of the weird kid in class, they probably somewhat of a neurodivergent. Like that would be my only <sighs> advice because it's, I'm not an expert on ADHD. I'm still, I'm still diving into it. In fact, because I have a borderline diagnosis, I'm doing some research that's not necessarily like a clinical study, but they're starting to find correlations between having ADHD and borderline. And that's a whole cluster off in itself. All I can say is go get your kids evaluated. If you're watching them become this like gifted student and then all of a sudden in college, they're just, they're not motivated to go to class. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. It could very well be that they're just like not motivated, but nine times out of 10, they probably have ADHD. And that doesn't mean shove pills down their throat. That means talk to them about treatment options. Talk to them, like get them into therapy, get them into, you know, supplements. There's several supplements that can help with ADHD that isn't Adderall or Ritalin or Vyvanse or anything like that. There's there's other ways to do it than just like shoving a pill bottle pill bottle at them and going, boom, have fun. Have fun. Do you take meds? I do not anymore. When what did you take and when did you stop? So I took Adderall. Um, I got diagnosed January 2022. So right after I turned 30. And I took Adderall from then until November 2022 when the national shortage happened. And then from there to, I believe, May, I wasn't on anything. And then I tried taking it again in like May or June. And I only lasted like three months on the lowest dose because all of a sudden I started having like crippling anxiety attacks and I wasn't sleeping. So now I'm on kind of a little bit of a um, supplement cocktail. I take Lion's Mane. Um, I take Omega-3s. And I have just learned to embrace the chaos that is ADHD. I give myself plenty of time. Well, I say I give myself plenty of time to do things, but um, I still like do it the night before. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, that's the other sign. If your kid is one of those kids that can absolutely complete a project like three hours before it's due when the teacher's just wearing up and down, this is not something that you can start the night before, go get them evaluated. Hey folks, I want to share with you a product I've been trying out lately. Uh, it's called Magic Mind. It's a natural nootropic drink that helps with focus. I've been trying it alongside my morning coffee. Uh, it has cut down on my caffeine consumption and I really do stay more focused and get a lot more done during the day. So if you're looking for a new drink to try out, I would recommend it. It's extremely healthy. It's filled with the, all the kinds of stuff you want, you and your kids. It's also available at Sprouts. Uh, check it out. Get it on Amazon. It's an amazing product. And big thanks to Magic Mind for being our first sponsor. There is a lot of research around the procrastination success and how it stimulates the, uh, the gamma waves of the brain or flow state, which in the therapeutic world is when, when we do our best therapeutic work. Turns out we just do our best work when our back is against the wall. What came first, the borderline diagnosis or the ADHD diagnosis? So the borderline diagnosis came first. That came when I was 20. Well, I started going to therapy when I was 25 for what I thought was borderline. It took about a year and a half to get like formally diagnosed. I think I got diagnosed in 2018. So yeah, about a year, a year and a half, a little over a year. So because with borderline diagnosis, diagnoses, you have to rule out a few other 
um, options, especially uh, bipolar disorder, any of the other cluster B personality disorders, anything like that. So it takes a while. So if people are saying like, oh, I went to one therapy appointment, and I got diagnosed with borderline. No, you didn't. They, like it takes at least six months for them to decide if you're even bipolar or borderline. Like it's yeah. It it is so important that my listeners hear what Heather just said. If you at a acute unit after one visit with a therapist, you get a borderline diagnosis, go somewhere else. Look look in the in the uh, early two thousands mid two thousands borderline especially for girls became adhd for boys like it was they, they were handing that out like oh. it was awful and it's a it, it, people like adhd and like bipolar borderline is considered like one of the the death sentence oh there's no you're just gonna get this and you'll just have to and you're never and it's it is and does seem accurate that people with borderline get frustrated with treatment easily, refuse treatment often, and really struggle with loving and then hating their therapist and refusing to go and vilifying them. Did you find that for yourself? For me, it was loving and vilifying other people. It wasn't so much my therapist. I um, joked with a couple of my therapists that for somebody with kind of a complex trauma attachment disorder, I was going through therapists like crazy because like one happened to quit. One went on maternity leave. The other one had medical issues. The other one went to private practice. And I'm just over here like, wow, like not my therapist giving me more reasons to go to therapy. <laughs> we finally got someone with borderline who's like, I'm sticking with it. And none of the therapists are sticking with it. Or, yeah. Well, a lot of therapists won't treat people with borderline and I get it because they have to protect their peace. But that also adds to the whole, you know, we're never going to, we're never going to get better. It's never going to be treated. We're never going to. And I mean, I still have my ups and downs, but then the ADHD actually compounds it because there are a lot of things with borderline that ADHD also have like the rage, the mood swings, the, you know, just kind of the all over the place, like chaotic brain energy. So when you have both of them, it basically doubles the symptoms for both. My husband calls a ragey little gremlin because I'm very angry a lot of the times. Like I don't, I can't regulate like a normal angry. I'm either completely fine or I act like I'm going to burn an entire village down with everybody in it. And there's no in between. And while I'm burning the village down, I'm sitting there going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But then there's like the other part of me that's like running through the field with a freaking pitchfork and a, you know, torch just being like, ah, so there's nothing I can do about it. And it sucks. And that's kind of how it feels with ADHD too. Like there's ways to manage it, but there are just certain things with ADHD that like suck it up, buttercup. You're just living with it. Do we expect our spouses, our loved ones, our parents to just also suck it up, buttercup? I think we do and we don't. I think for me personally, I have always understood that while I would love for people to stick around. I can understand if it becomes too much for them, but that's like me being way more empathetic than I probably should be according to all of my friends. I've had to curate a circle. I've burned a lot of bridges. I've hurt a lot of people. I've done a lot of things that haunt my nightmares and make me, you know, look back and go, Ugh. but I've also curated a circle of people that suck it up per se, but also will sit there and go, okay, you're, you know, a little much on XYZ today. Why don't we like take it back? 
I literally just got back from a trip that um, I was sitting down with a friend and they were just like, you're, you're a little out of it right now. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I got home and I, you know, called my therapist and made another couple of appointments because I'm like, I am spiraling. Well, I'm grateful that they do suck it up. They do call me out. And I think that there is a difference that people don't realize with that, that people can be there for you, but they are still entitled to call you out on your shit. You know, they can be understanding, but also be like, mm, no. How do you, having been a person who, and, and look, bipolar, ADHD, borderlines, we are the bridge burners. That is what we do. I, now, I carry a little bit of C4 in my backpack at all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, it's literally, it becomes part of our uh, criticism sensitivity that that we know we say the one wrong thing and we're going to be abandoned alone and by god I'm going to I'm going to blow up this bridge behind me before you turn around and walk across it away from me and if you happen to be on the bridge eh, sorry but how do you mitigate the damage before it's done you just said one of the key components and i need to i need to get your opinion expertise on this is it age is it talent or is it just practice that you said hmm i'm spiraling how did you become self-aware in that moment i've been in therapy for going on seven years this spring a lot of it is practice. A lot of it is being very self-aware. And I'm not sure if I didn't have the ADHD that I would be as self-aware because I am like hyper aware of things. And maybe that's the rejection sensitivity that I get with, you know, the ADHD or just being compounded by having both. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to blow things up. I think being very mindful of that and noticing when I'm spiraling, but also being open to people being like, hey, I love you. You're doing great. And that's the other thing too with borderlines is you kind of have to sandwich the constructive feedback in between like two compliments, which sounds really annoying, but it works well. Oh, we call that the poop sandwich yeah. in treatment. We it, it was something that we taught. I love you. You're totally screwing this up. I love yeah, you. Literally. Like you have to poop sandwich you know, these conversations. My my friend is like, you've you've come a really long way. You're doing fantastic. I think you're spiraling and I think you don't know what you want right now. And you need to just sit down and figure and sit with it and figure it out. But you're still doing great. You're still doing a lot better than, you know, from what you've told me, because they didn't know me back then. You're still doing a lot better. You're still doing a great job. And I'm just like, you're right. I do need, and and like I had already known that I needed to go back to therapy. It was just kind of like a finances thing, and like you know, I hadn't been back since September, so it's not like I haven't been back in years. And it's like the end of January as of this recording. I had already known that it had been a while, and I wasn't feeling my best, and I was really like like at everything. So when they said that, it it wasn't like a slap in the face, like oh, I'm I'm fucking up again. It was a Thank you for validating that I also feel out of control, so um, I need to go, that kind of thing. So it, it's a little different for me. Not everybody is going to respond as well as I do, but I've also had a lot of years of learning that when people, the thing is, is like the way I grew up, if they came at you, it was to just rip you apart, to rip you to shreds. I have found people that have not done that a day in my life and probably will never do that a day in my life. And once I've had a little bit of a sense of safety, 
them then calling me out was a thousand percent constructive and them wanting the best for me versus them wanting to see me fail. And I think that's the key difference is I'm learning to trust people-ish kind of thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to trust people when you spent your childhood getting talked down, dissed, and thrown out. Like, like you just, it's kind of a basic realization. And I, I joke, my, my hobbies are martial arts, outdoor survival, and emergency medicine. People are like, what do you think's going to happen? I'm like, ah, ah, Ragnarok, quite frankly, is what I think's going to happen. But that was my childhood, was everything coming to an end constantly and having to... What are the most supportive things that parents, professionals, professors, and just people in general think they're saying that really doesn't help? someone with borderline or ADHD? What are what are the common responses you can recall that people are like, you know, I for, this is what I'm this is what I'm asking. I've told my daughter her whole life, you'll figure this out. You figure everything out. That always felt like I was the dad saying, I trust you. I trust your brain. I trust your body. I trust your mind. I trust your heart. I trust everything about you. You got this and you don't need some overdoting father to to swoop in. And there was a point that she was like, could have used a swoop. Is every now and then. And and you don't know, especially like you, she got a she got a late diagnosis. What can you recall that other people think was supportive but really wasn't? People just basically, yeah, saying, oh well you got this. It's like, no, I don't right now. I don't got shit. Okay. I don't have anything. But also when people were trying to be, I don't even know if they were encouraging or like just trying to be gentle, but they would be like, you know, you're better than this. Thanks. I know that too. If I could be better than this, I would, but I can't. So like, ugh. it's just saying it just gives me the fucking ick. Just, ugh. I just, I can't, you know, like, you know, you're better than this. You know, you know that you're capable of more than you're giving yourself right now. And it's like, no shit, Sherlock. I don't feel that way right now. I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel very out of control. And I mean, this was, I, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 30. So I spent my 20s, undiagnosed from both, spent from 25 slash 26 to 30, trying to combat a borderline diagnosis and being like, something's missing, something's missing, something's missing. Like I'm doing all the things for borderline and I'm getting better, but I'm also not getting better. Like something's, something's missing. And then I get the ADHD diagnosis and I'm over here, like wanting to call both my parents and be like, Hey, son of a bitch one and two. Hello. You know? Cause they're like, Oh, we saw on your sister. And I'm like, okay, well, because I was the smart one, like, you know, the fact that I could literally read an entire series of books and didn't want to deal with anybody else. Nothing. Nada. But again, like, that's why, and I've heard a lot of people say that, especially with ADHD and women, oh, everybody's getting diagnosed with ADHD. And it's like, yeah, because we're realizing that ADHD isn't bouncing off the walls like the boys. And half of those boys that were bouncing off the walls anyways were just seven-year-olds that couldn't sit still because give me a seven-year-old that can sit still. I'm 32 and I can barely sit still half the time, you know, and that might be part of the ADHD, but also like, I know neurotypicals that are like... I can sit down and do things. But when they were seven years old, they're like, no, I wanted to play. Like it was nice outside. Why would I want to sit and do math? Like, hello. 
So, you know, and they're kids and they're developing, they're learning and no, they're not going to focus on two plus two equaling four. It's just not going to happen. But now ADHD is like, oh, everybody's got ADHD. No, there's probably a lot of women that had it, but because you were looking for the boys bouncing off the walls and, and the girls were being praised for having ADHD symptoms, like being able to basically being able to mask. So being able to sit down, stay quiet, fly under the radar, like you know, focus on this, focus on that, juggle, you know, the school, the extracurriculars, this, that, and the other thing, and still pull straight A's, that was praised and not understood as like, this is a red flag. Because once you get to college, that's not going to happen anymore. How do people follow up with you? How do how do we get people to make sure they're following your podcast, meet you on Instagram? Where do you want them to go? So my um, podcast is, uh, like you said earlier, Hot Mess Espresso with an S. Not an ex. <laughs> the amount of people that are like hot mess espresso. I'm like, espresso, like the coffee. Um, you can find that literally on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you um, get your podcasts. And then on Instagram, I'm hot mess dot espresso, E S P R E S S O. Um, that's also my TikTok handle. If you um, appreciate dark humor and lip syncing to metal and metal music and whatever bop comes to mind in the car, that is my that is my stuff. I talk a lot of mental health on my TikTok, but also I talk. I'm just like uh, there's a bunch of goofy shit on my TikTok. I just like sit there and I'm like, ooh, this is funny. Like, let's do this. That's where y'all can find me. So please give me a follow. Shoot me a message if you need to chit chat about whatever. All of that. So yeah. What's next for your life, your career? Let me ask it a different way. Um, what's your ninth major? My ninth major. Um, you know, I forgot to I forgot to mention that after college, I dropped I dropped out of college just to get my aesthetics license on top of it. So you know, I'm just I'm just doing the full Monty over here. But um, next in the career is just pushing, trying to reach as many people as possible. We're, I just wrapped season three. We will be going into season four that has video YouTubes. I'm like kind of rebranding as I'm going, just trying to make it a little bigger and better every week. But I'm also going back to my roots of talking about borderline and my chaotic journey and this, that, and the other thing. Because I... I kind of lost my way a little bit just trying to find my niche with interviewing people. So seasons two and three were a little bit more of like getting my foot in the door with that and perfecting my interview style. Now I'm like, we're going to do half and half. So half of my season is going to be solo. We're going to keep educating on borderline. We're going to keep educating on things that people are bringing up to me, especially if I can get experts in the field um, onto there. And then the other half is bringing people on and chit-chatting and continuing the shit show. Make sure you follow up with Heather at hotmess.espresso on Instagram and hotmessespresso, not espresso, espresso, the podcast, Spotify, everywhere else. I think what I take away from this show is this idea that because girls were praised for masking, it is not that more everybody's getting the diagnosis now. It's that we're recognizing what girls had to go through living with ADHD, borderline. I think the most important thing she said, I cannot agree more, is that if your kiddo has received a borderline and your kiddo is under 18 years old, or your kiddo saw one psychiatrist, and this was their assessment after a meeting 
go find another one because borderline personality and its stigma around it is intense. And it's hard to navigate and parent a kid with ADHD or a kid with borderline without constantly wearing the worried face. And mom and dad, you got to check your worried face at the door because Heather's doing great. She's self-aware. She's married. She hasn't burnt her husband on a bridge yet. Maybe she has and he just recovered well. But you can survive borderline. You can survive ADHD. You can survive bipolar, these death sentence mental health diagnoses. Uh, so just make sure you've talked to a couple psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, or therapists about these types of diagnoses, please, for your kids' sake. Make sure you go pick up the book on Amazon, The Four Prime Archetypes, Why We Do What We Do. Uh, this is where you're going to find out if you're a warrior, a wizard, a jester, or a bard. And the childhood you have, the personality you're dealing with, and along the way, you're going to point fingers at your loved ones and say, that's why you do what you do. And get to know everything, how to parent, how to sell, how to be in a relationship, not just with yourself, but with others. It's on Amazon, The Four Prime Archetypes. If you're interested in supporting the show and as a big thank you for supporting the show, receiving the tools, tricks, tactics, and techniques that I have been teaching parents, teachers, and clinicians for 20 years, check out our Kofi link below and come join me on the Brab private sessions. Parents, take care of yourselves first, your adult relationship second, and your children third. That's how we do our best work with our children. And I'll see you next week on Beyond Risk and Back.